Uh, but uh, first up, welcome to my basement, everybody. I hope everybody's had a fantastic week. Welcome to the weekend. It is Friday, and uh, we're going to start doing this a little bit more often, kind of capping our week or ending off our week um, with something live and uh, getting everybody involved and doing a little bit of a chat, maybe recapping uh, some of the biggest headlines of the week. There's always uh, tons of stuff going on in games and entertainment and technology, uh, which we, of course, love to talk about here at EPN. And um, uh, it's been a little bit scattered at the beginning of the month and uh, I'm not, or at the beginning of the year, and I'm not going to go too much into detail on that, but uh, we have been busy. There has been a lot of stuff going on. We've already put up, I don't know, I don't know, like 90 videos or something since the uh, the beginning of the year. Uh, but we uh, we have got a lot more to come. And I just want to, um, uh, you know, let you guys know that uh, we're, we are just getting started. But right now, I want to jump right into uh, let's review chips because I just came racing from the screening. Warner Brothers actually didn't have a uh, preview screening for this movie, uh, to my knowledge. Um, so I didn't get an invite to uh, go and see this movie early, but I was very curious about it because I'm a big fan of both Dax Shepard and of Michael Pena, and I wanted to see what these two collaborating as John Baker and uh, Poncherello, I can't remember all the other names of Poncherello, um, uh, the new chips, would uh, how they would fare against each other in this movie. And obviously it's, a, it's kind of uh, portrayed as an action comedy, and uh, it tries to go for the rafters with some of its gags and some of its jokes. What surprised me is that it's, uh, it's pretty violent. There's actually some pretty heavy violent sequences in this movie. A lot of explosions. Um, Vincent D'Onofrio plays the bad guy in this, and he's, of course, an incredible bad guy, as anybody who has seen the Daredevil TV series on Netflix can tell you all about. That guy is incredibly intimidating, especially when he stands next to um, the rather minute uh, but, uh, uh, you know, gutsy uh, Michael Pena, who is always a joy to watch on screen. That guy is a marvel. Uh, no pun intended, because he was probably one of the best things in Ant-Man, but he is a terrific actor, and I think he does show some new chops in this thing. He plays kind of a uh, uh, a sex-addicted FBI agent who goes undercover with the California Highway Patrol to try to figure out if there are dirty cops that are taking over uh, all of these um, armored car heists. And it doesn't take too long. The police work isn't too big. Uh, it's not too... Um, it's not too much detective type stuff in this show. It's uh, or in this movie. It does feel like a TV show. That's definitely something you could say about this thing. But you know, because Dax Shepard and Michael Pena are so charming, it's hard not to dig these guys together. They have good, honest to goodness chemistry. It's clear that they enjoy each other's company. Dax Shepard is not only starring in this thing; he's the writer and the director. And I don't really know how much this evolved from his original vision because it does feel um, it does feel not much like an homage to the old cheesy uh, 80s cop show that I must confess I used to watch religiously I used to think it was pretty fun they always ended with a uh, a silly oh look we're seeing uh, Dak Shepard's bare ass right there I can see the b-roll on uh, on a screen up here too so you guys can see uh, some of the sequences behind it um, but they always ended the show every episode with everybody laughing and in freeze frame so every week we got one of those, and it was so cheesy, but you also cared about all the characters in there. And um, uh, Baker and Paunch 
in the t- TV show had great chemistry together because they were kind of an odd couple on motorbikes, right? And that's definitely the case here. Uh, uh, I think that Dax Shepard's uh, Baker is more in touch with his feelings and he's always poking fun and trying to get uh, Ponch to kind of, uh, you know, be a little bit more vocal and share more. So he's definitely a California boy and uh, Ponch is uh, not by the numbers FBI cop by any means, but he's uh, a little bit more disciplined, a little bit more focused. So you, you get some interplay and stuff like that. The, the problem with this movie is that it doesn't quite go far enough with this. You know, we've seen, I think, crazier hijinks in the uh, 21 Jump Street movies, which I think this probably was the reason why this movie got the green light in the first place. Um, and this doesn't get as funny, doesn't get as humorous as that. You see most of the best gags in the trailers, as a matter of fact, which is uh, the biggest crime for any comedy, I think, out there. You can't give it all away. Uh, but, you know, you see like actors like Maya Rudolph will pop up every once in a while, and there's a lot of famous faces that are, are supporting actors that appear through there, maybe a cameo or two. Um, and, you know, I had an all right time at the movies. Uh, Dak Shepard is clearly, as the writer and the director, wanted to show off his chiseled bod a ton in this movie and, uh, uh, you know, poking fun at homophobia and stuff like that. Um, there are definitely, you know, some uh, not not terribly PC type moments in this thing. Kristen Bell, or is it Kirsten? It's Kristen Bell, uh, which is Dak Shepard's wife, also appears in this thing. Um, and there's some okay moments there. But, you know, I think my di- my disappointment here is that it just didn't, it didn't crystallize as well as uh, the talents around this movie would suggest it would. You know, I wasn't killing myself laughing. I, uh, I, I thought the action was kind of cool, but again, not the best action type stuff that we've seen before. It's pretty fun to watch all these Ducatis racing around and doing jumps and things like that. Um, but again, you're seeing everything that really blew my mind stunt-wise in the trailer. Um, and at the end effect is that it feels like kind of a, you know, a TV movie type, you know, escape for, for a, a little while, and it uses the chip the chips uh, branding and the franchise to, to kind of, you know, get people in the door a little bit. Uh, but they could have gone farther with that. Oh, isn't that crazy? They, they painted on uh, underwear on him for the, uh, the PG trailer. Um, it's okay. I, uh, I, yeah, I was a bit disappointed that I didn't enjoy it more because I like everybody involved so much. But uh, yeah, chips is, is just okay. I'm going to give it a 5.5 out of 10. All right, that's my review of Chips. Does anybody have any uh, any questions about the movie? Is anybody going to go see that thing? I mean, we've got an uh, you know an awesome movie with uh, a pretty awesome movie with life in the theaters, and you guys should check out the uh, review that I did with uh, with Johnny Millennium. And he and I also went and uh, had an argument about the Power Rangers movie. Uh, I was pretty shocked that I was uh, such a fan of that flick because I know nothing about the Power Rangers, and I think that's probably why I enjoyed the movie. It was. It was uh, total insanity. But if anybody wants to talk about Chip's movie, let me know. <laughs> uh, I'm looking at the chats right now. Hey, Chris Bits. Hey, uh, NHS Adam. Uh, Daily Effects review Warcraft. Should we just go right into Warcraft, the uh, the the first game? Should we re- review the first game? Um, that would be fun, actually. Is it worth seeing in theaters? Uh, Nate Slayer 22 asks. Uh, nah, you can wait. There's better movies out there. Uh, and I, I have to be truthful here. Uh, everybody has been pinging me and saying, why the hell haven't I reviewed um, 
get out yet. And I actually raced downtown uh, to get to, to the first screening of Get Out uh, because I, w- I think I was at GDC when it came out, so I missed it. And I've been hearing that it's fantastic, and I'm a fan of Key and Peele, and I really wanted to go see it, um, but I, I haven't been able to. And I actually went downtown to go check that out, and I didn't make the screening in time. I'd already missed the opening. So I, I said, okay, well, I'll go see Chips then because that's new anyway. So we talked about that. Um, so I would talk about that. Um, it's not worth seeing in theaters. Go see Life. Go see Logan. Go see Power Rangers. I can't believe I'm saying go see Power Rangers instead of going to see Chips. What the hell's happening in this world? Uh, somebody wants to talk about ukulele. This is uh, Benno uh, Havenor. I, uh, I'm playing, uh, an, I think, an almost complete build on the Xbox One. Uh, I just started it. Um, it put a smile on my face already, but I already have some issues and some concerns, but it's way too early for me to get into it right now. I think probably embargo-wise as well, um, but I definitely will be reviewing that game. Um, I still want to get to... Um, for Honor, I'm still playing For I know, you know, these things are a little later, but uh, um, we got slammed. We got a lot of stuff all cooking at the same time. Uh, but I still want to get to For Honor, and I still want to give you guys a proper review of Ghost Recon Wildlands. Uh, hopefully, there are still lots of people playing both of those online. Um, and I just uh, scratched the surface of Near Automata as well and was, uh, like, uh, in love with Platinum Games again already. It's like they make games that they know I will love. Um, and I'm not far into that, so I can't review that yet, but holy crap, I've enjoyed what I've played so far. Um, I've been playing uh, Fast RMX on um, the Switch. I've played a little bit of uh, Snipper Clips. Um, I am traveling uh, the week of April 1st. I'm going to uh, uh, MIP TV, the, uh, the TV conference in, uh, in Cannes, France with Blake. So we are hitting the road and we are... Uh, uh, going to cover some uh, some people that make television and work in VR and work on uh, web series and stuff because it's all converging. I don't know if you guys have been paying attention, but video games and web content and and uh, TV content and all that stuff, it's all just, you know, inter- interweaving. So we're going to get some cool interviews with some uh, cool creators there. But I'm bringing the Switch and I'm bringing um, the 3DS. I think I'll be reviewing a couple of 3DS games. And I do feel like the, the, you know, the clock might be ticking on that, that uh, venerable 3DS platform. We'll see. Uh, but I am going to be playing some, some uh, portable games and, and uh, <laughs> reviewing them. It's so hard to believe that the, uh, the Switch is a portable system, but it really is. And speaking of which, um, I've gone a little nuts with uh, purchasing things for my Switch to... Uh, to make it more my own to customize it. I think that that's going to be a huge, a huge business for this platform is just constantly changing things up and, and customizing it. I, I picked up uh, uh, the two pack. So you can, you can get the, uh, the blue and the red again, because I had the blue and the red switch. And then I got the the two-pack of the Joy-Cons. And I don't know if these are the, um, the fixed Joy-Cons because apparently Nintendo has been uh, tweaking the Joy-Cons so there is no more latency. There's no more dropping on the, on the, left, uh, on the left Joy-Con anymore. I'm not sure. Um, I, I don't know if there's a way to know unless you open them up, but I sure dig the, uh, the red on black. This is what I call my, uh, my Batman Beyond switch right there. Um, and then I also have the blue one so I can, I can put on the... Uh, I guess the Nightwing, if I, if I ever want to do that too. And I actually picked up one of these as well. 
Um, although I have the uh, Nintendo sent me the the Pro Controller when they sent the Switch for uh, for me to review and for me to start reviewing games on it. Um, I've been using that a lot more, and I'm not as big a fan of, of this configuration to use this as uh, as a controller. Um, but I know that games like Arms are coming, and you you know with snipper clips you can use four of these Joy Cons. So um, I picked up the uh, the chargeable one, the one that will charge the uh, the Joy Con uh, controllers. So you charge this sucker up; it's got a little battery in it, and it will keep these things charged. So I'll be taking four. Joy-Cons on the road with me, which is nuts, but uh, yeah, that's where the blue ones live. And the other thing that I bought, and I have no review of this because I haven't used it yet, but I bought a, a big-ass battery. I'm going to be flying for hours and hours and hours. This is an Aukey uh, 30,000 milliamps battery that apparently will give me like seven charges before uh, my switch is uh, depleted. So I, that should keep me busy for a long time because I'm now playing games beyond Zelda because uh, this wouldn't be enough if I was still deep into Zelda right now. I'm now playing some of the other Switch titles. Um, I've got uh, Binding of Isaac on tap, Has Been Heroes, um, uh, Blaster Master Zero. I'm, I'm excited to play some of these things. I'm not buying those Neo Geo games. I don't know if anybody's been in the eShop already, but uh, I'm not buying those Neo Geo games at 10 bucks each or 12 bucks each again. That's crazy. Um, so yeah, I'm going to have a little Switch, uh, I guess a Switch backpack with me, which I'll be, uh, be traveling with. And I'll have a full report on... Uh, on um, long distance traveling with the Switch, I got um, uh, news from Nintendo that you can just use the the regular uh, the, the regular charge uh, block that you would use with with uh, the Switch. Um, the, so the plug that you would use the the, the Switch with with the USB C cable, all that stuff, you just have to get the the plug connector. So they have all of the circuitry in there, which is great because with the 3DS, I don't know if you guys know this, but when you travel in Europe, you need a different plug. You can't use your North American uh, 3DS plug to charge your 3DS. I actually bought one when I was in Sweden a couple of years ago visiting uh, DICE, I think. Um, and I've got a European 3DS charge plug adapter. Uh, so you can use the standard North American stuff. You just need the, the, uh, the current adapter thing so that it can plug into uh, uh, European outlets. So. Uh, you know, fingers crossed, nothing goes wrong there, and I'll just be charging and playing and and shooting. Um, okay, so that's that. I'm gonna tell you guys a little bit. Hold on, do we have any any chips questions? Uh, oh, got a whole bunch of this. Uh, Fast RMX, is it like Wipeout? Yes, Chris Burns, absolutely. It's uh, it's a twenty dollar game, and the thing that surprised me the most, I'm not reviewing it right now, but I have been having a lot of fun with it, and I wasn't expecting to because I, you know, frankly, it's uh, in terms of futuristic racing, other than F Zero, um, there's been a couple of other good ones, but uh, I think Quantum Quantum Redshift or something comes to mind, but uh, an old Xbox original Xbox game, uh, but Wipeout's the king, man. Like it's really hard to unseat. The Wipeout franchise. It's so good. And in fact, in my mind, in terms of combat racing, I always, you know, go back and forth with what I love more, Mario Kart or Wipeout. And I'm so happy that we're getting new, you know, remakes of great Wipeout and great Mario Kart this year. I can't wait to play all of them. Uh, what's really going to be crazy is playing Mario Kart 8 on the road, which is just incredible. 
but I love wipeouts. Not as good as wipeout, but fast RMX is beautiful. And the thing that's really impressive about it is that it runs at a, at a rock solid 60 frames per second. And there are all kinds of weather effects. And the track um, uh, variations are fantastic. There's lots of animated bits. There's, you know, giant mechanical legs of uh, huge mechs and stuff that will come stomping down. There's, you know, huge rainstorm effects and, and, you know, trees and stuff blowing in the wind. There's tracks that have you wrapping all the way around. It's also like Ikaruga in a way that you're constantly shifting um, the uh, the sort of propulsion uh, energy color that you have on your um, cool-looking craft. That's another thing that I dig about Fast RMX is how great the vehicles look. Um, it's crazy that we've got the Chips logo behind us. Uh, but, uh, yeah, it's, uh, it, it's, a, it's a fun game so far, and I'm looking forward to, you know, playing a lot more of it and then reviewing it probably from France, which is crazy. Um, what kind of chips do I like? I like um, uh, corn chips with a little bit of lime and a little bit of spice in them. And then you throw a little cheese, you get some avocado, you make your own fresh guacamole. You know what I'm talking about? Feel free. If you need to do that, you can pause. We'll still be here. You can go do that right now. Uh, my camera's overexposed. It's just me, so I can't really fiddle too much, I'm afraid. Uh, we will tweak this. It will get better. We're still learning the... Uh, uh, the new setup here with, with going live, but we're definitely, we, our challenge has been, and anybody that's, t that's tuned in to our live uh, uh, shows over the last little while, I mean, the whole way along, is that uh, we have a lot of great equipment for television. It's not totally, you know, streamlined and perfect for streaming live stuff. It's great for doing a live studio show that's kind of recorded the tape, but you know, when you go live with stuff, it's a whole different beast. And we are, you know, actively trying to figure out the easiest and simplest way uh, and the least amount of manpower to be able to go live and connect with you guys. And we will. I promise you we are going to find out some really cool stuff because I want to start being able to uh, uh, have this chat with you guys. Look at the uh, look at the chats like this. Uh, cut to live, um, you know, streaming gameplay. Stop that if I want to and go to a, to a Skype conversation. Uh, these are my goals. These are my goals with the, uh, with, with the live content that we're going to be producing. And uh, none of that stuff is super easy. Uh, what happened to EP in terms of the set locations for each review? For example, I remember when you reviewed Silent Hill 3, it was recorded at a Metro. Um, Richard, we are, this is Richard Fiddler asking this. Uh, we have done EP and reviews on the run as television content for a very long time. And um, hold on, I'm just going to put on some video game footage here because this chips thing is, is not good enough. Goodbye, chips. Uh, let's put on some square footage because I'm going to be talking about square in a bit here. Moment, please. Boom. Oh, I'll turn that volume down. You don't need to hear that. There we go. Okay. Um, we've been running our EP and reviews content like um, TV material for a very, very long time. And we've had budgets that correlate and correspond with that to make our TV content. But obviously last year we kind of transitioned to uh, uh, being digital only. And um, we're still, uh, you, truthfully, still making that transition, still kind of understanding what it means to deliver content on a, on a regular basis at the highest production uh, quality that we can afford uh, with less resource, less people. 
Um, but uh, I, what I can tell you today is that um, I'm kind of done waiting for broadcasters and people that work in video on demand and deal with kind of a linear stream and, and are like have networks and things like that uh, to figure out that content like what Electric Playground is and what Reviews on the Run is, is valuable. Um, I feel like there are a lot of people in, in uh, the broadcast industry, uh, and I feel for them, they are working their butts off trying to figure out how they are going to survive this transition to, uh, you know, uh, all-you-can-eat type media. Um, I, it's not, I'm not saying that, you know, Electric Playground will never return to television or never return uh, to, you know, some kind of broadcast partnership. I'm just not going to wait anymore. So what we're uh, going to be starting to do is put a lot more emphasis on uh, uh, building as much quality content as we possibly can. We have grown substantially uh, on our YouTube channel. Um, you know, we're obviously posting content to Facebook and Daily Motion and Twitch, and uh, we'll probably start thinking of some other ways to get to people and reach people with our material. Uh, but I know what we can do. You know, I know that we can make really, really solid, really fun material. I know that we have incredibly strong relationships with uh, game developers and game companies and movie studios and, and animation houses. Um, and, you know, it's a new day. So it's, uh, it's going to be kind of up to us to kind of reach out to, to people and continue those conversations and build as much great content as we possibly can. And I am going to do that. And that will mean that we will shoot some reviews on location. Um, but you guys also have to kind of recognize that we don't have, I don't have like seven or eight editors cutting material all the time. And I don't have, you know, a choice of two or three different camera operators that I can say, okay, let's go and do this. And extra producers that will help us scout different locations. Um, so it won't be the same, but I can promise you it will, uh, we will work hard to make it as good as we possibly can. And, uh, you know, frankly, there's a lot of, I'm really excited about what is available to us now with, you know, more streamlined technology. You know, it's it's frankly just a lot easier to get this content out than it ever has been. And I, I mean, that's obviously stating the obvious, but I, uh, I, I love that there are so many or so there's a lot fewer sort of obstacles, a lot things in the way from us making something and getting it to you guys. And uh, yeah, we're we're gonna have we're gonna have some fun. All right. And the only thing that we need from you guys, at least right now, is to is to help spread the word. And I'm gonna tell you um, uh, I'm gonna tell you something uh, that's starting. I'll talk about something that's that's happening very soon in a little bit here before the stream is done. But I'm gonna ask. Uh, uh, I'm gonna answer some more questions. Chris Burns asks, why don't you Patreon? Um, I, we may. We may. That's not out of the question. Um, I've been trying to figure out a way to, uh, you know, continue to develop material and grow and, and kind of pivot to uh, um, deliver as much material as possible without having to uh, build something like that. Um, not that I'm opposed to it, but we've just we've delivered a lot of content to people for, you know, pretty much nothing. Right. Just to, they've, they've had a cable subscription and. Um, uh, you know, so it's a it's a new model, and frankly, one of the things that concerns me about Patreon is how much you have to think about um, how you promote it, and and you also uh, you know kind of manage that side of a business. And we've never had to do that, 
And I don't want to screw that up, you know? Like if people are going to financially support us that way, I do want them to get something a little bit more. But um, at the same time, we work really hard just doing what we do. So I, uh, I'm not opposed to it. I just haven't figured out how to do that. Um, and maybe we will, uh, we will circle back on that conversation uh, soon. Um, question, is the PlayStation VR worth buying? Patrick Furtado. Uh, it was, it, it is for me, um, but I'm, kind, I don't know if you know this about me, I'm super obsessed with video games and technology and getting lost in, in uh, virtual worlds. I was shocked how much I love the PlayStation VR because it's, uh, you know, obviously not as advanced technologically as the, the HTC Vive or the Oculus Rift, both of which I have and both of which uh, I think are terrific. Um, and they give you a pure escape into virtual reality. But the reason why I like the PlayStation VR, A, it's a PlayStation product. So it's very much coming at this from uh, trying to get great games into people's hands. And Sony has that muscle and that relationship, sometimes, you know, stretching back decades with different publishers and developers to create exclusive type of experiences on PlayStation VR. And I also like that, unlike the PC, uh, you know, options which require, uh, you know, a little bit of fiddling and finessing every single time you set it up, you uh, can just have your PlayStation VR sitting in front of your TV and you just stick it on, you turn your PlayStation on and you go. And I don't like the Move controllers. I think those are bunk. So what I do with the PlayStation VR is... Uh, I just use the controller. And I, I honestly, if it needs move controllers, I don't even play those games. They just are not interesting to me. I feel like they are they are super gimmicky. They are super gimmicky type things. But if it's got a PlayStation controller uh, attached, so you play like the uh, Batman Arkham game with the PlayStation controller, you play, uh, um, you can even play the, oh, what the hell's that? Uh, oh, oh, I forget the name of it. You're in the in the cart. You guys will remember. You're in the. It's an amusement park. Um, it's a creepy amusement park. You're on the roller coaster thing, and you're shooting at all the uh, all the creepy clowns. And there's big giant pigs and stuff. That game's incredible. I forget that. Uh, Battlefront. Uh, yeah, Rush of Blood. Exactly. Excellent. You can play that with a controller. Battlefront VR is unbelievable, and hopefully. Um, I, I've heard that there is some major announcements percolating about what EA is doing with Star Wars uh, soon. Uh, so hopefully what they're announcing is that they're going to go big into VR because if we get X-Wing TIE Fighter type experiences um, in VR, that's going to put a lot of people and a lot of resources and it's going to be rocket fuel for the, uh, the medium, quite frankly. Uh, so hopefully that happens. Um, but I do really dig it. Uh, I do really dig the, the uh, PlayStation VR. And the, the other the game that I, I kind of go back to on a regular basis, I reviewed it long ago, but I still love it, is uh, Eve Valkyrie, which is still thin. But again, it's that, uh, it's that Star Wars, Battlestar Galactica type pull, you know, which is pretty rad. Uh, question, if Mass Effect Andromeda was just named Andromeda, would reviews be a bit better with no expectation? That's an excellent question. That is from uh, Niv Laksura. Um, uh, I think people would be, if it was from Bioware, it's not the Mass Effect, it's the Bioware. It's the Bioware name. It's the uh, idea that, uh, you know, this franchise uh, that has been made by this, this studio of incredible pedigree has come out with as many um, stumbles and issues as, as it has um, is the biggest shock in the world. 
and you know, it's not a bad game. It's not terrible. It's it's uh, like I said in my early review, and I have gone back to it after the uh, uh, the 1.04 update. I played a little bit last night, and it did look a little bit better already. Um, so you can feel that Bioware, and they've announced this. They're still working on this thing. They're still they're still going to get it there. I think it will be a solid, you know, action RPG that will uh, definitely pull me back in. Um, but it's really hard to overlook those those conversational elements where your characters just look wrong. You know, uh, they just don't look 2017. It's the Bioware brand, though, more than the Mass Effect brand. Um, but watch that video. <laughs> that was uh, a very real, very raw. That was after like that was the Sunday night that I did that when it, when the embargo went off. Um, I recorded at 12.01, I was live, and I'd been playing Mass Effect all day, and I just basically turned it off and came in here and talked to you guys. And, and those were just raw, real emotions, you know? And I was having a lot of those discussions with, uh, with people on the chat that had played the early access, and they had similar things to say. Uh, what happened to the game vault you had in the offices? Got the game vault, still have it, still wondering... Um, if there, this is from Victoria. Hello, Victoria. Uh, still wondering if there will be a way for us to incorporate the uh, the game vault into um, some of the content that we're doing. Um, stay tuned. Okay. Uh, okay. Uh, let's see what's going on. Question: How have I been enjoying? Uh, oh, you know what? I dig this with the question and the all caps question. That helps me out a lot. Uh, how have I been enjoying Near Automata? Love it so far. I'm not far at all, but it's super, super slick. And uh, I, I mean, I, I love that studio. You know, they're just fantastic at making video games. And, and uh, it's got a, it's just got this, this compulsive kind of loop, you know, like you just want to jump in and shoot everything and hack and slash your way to everything. It's very, very slick. Uh, but I'm super early, so we'll see how I feel. Uh, question. Uh, this is from Daniel M. 11. Will you pl play Paranormal Activity, The Lost Soul on the HTC Vive or PSVR? It's out on Steam and later on Sony. Uh, I have not popped on the VR headsets for a while um, because 2D has been buzzing like crazy. I mean, we had uh, Last Guardian, Resident Evil 7, uh, you know, the, the Switch launch and Zelda and Horizon and uh, Neo and all these games have just started to just just flood into our uh, into our lives over the last few months. So I um, I am fully jonesing to get back into 3D uh, into into VR and um, it's coming soon. I don't know when, but I, I definitely want to jump back into. Uh, into the Vive and, and the Oculus Rift. I've been completely missing them. I've, uh, Jeff Kanata, who's a good friend of mine, is uh, uh, as obsessed with VR, more obsessed with VR than anybody I know, quite frankly. And he's been playing Rock Band VR, and he just keeps raving about how incredible that is. So I, I, am so, I can't wait to play that. Um, so have I been enjoying Near Automata? I have but it's still early days. Uh, Austin Macho, any word from Scott Jones? Uh, we've been chatting back and forth. I, I uh, connected with him at uh, GDC. He's doing really well. Um, he's building a, kind of a new business right now, and he's working with, uh, with different uh, studios. I don't want to kind of reveal his world, though. I think that's a question for him. You can find him at Scott C. Jones on Twitter. 
he obviously doesn't live in Vancouver anymore. He lives in Toronto, so we're not seeing each other as often. I miss him. Uh, he's a great dude, and uh, I wish him well. It was his birthday this week, so if you want to hit him up on Twitter and wish him a happy birthday, he will appreci- appreciate that. But I know that he and Steve Tilley and uh, Rerez and a few other people um, in the Toronto scene were all at uh, Sid Bolton's uh, PC uh, Museum, and I don't, I'm going to butcher the name of the town. I haven't been there before, so I don't remember it. But uh, I think it's in Brantford, Ontario. You guys can correct me. But they were all there. They're, they had a night. I haven't heard how it went, but it was. Uh, I think it might have been even last night. Okay. Uh, Preston Rickwood, uh, question, is it worth buying a Switch just for Zelda? I don't think, you know, were I not in the v- very fortunate position to be in this industry and to be a reviewer and to be... Uh, you know, allowed access to these products and these games, I would still be a hyper fan. And if you are asking me, is it worth getting a Switch for Zelda? I would be 100, I mean, I would be on those Amazons and Best Buys and EB Games sites every damn day trying to find myself a Switch to play Zelda. Zelda is, I'm still back and forth about this if it's the best video game I've ever played, I'm st- I still don't know. It's it's so high up in my esteem, and I, I hold so much love for that game. It really, honestly, has been tricky to look at other stuff with the same glow, you know? Like, Zelda is a... And I, I honestly, I, I think if Horizon Zero Dawn didn't come out at the same time, Zelda would just look so distinct and so special and so perfect that it would be very hard to kind of look around and say, yeah, there are lots of other games that are as good as this, you know? Like, I I just don't know. Like, we've already had two Game of the Year, easily two Game of the Year contenders at the beginning of the year. And uh, it's incredible, you know? Like, Red Dead Redemption 2 comes out this year, though. I think the, the release date may have been leaked for September 25th or something. Not that I'm looking at the calendar or anything. Uh, but uh, that, that is a game. Now I'm anxious to see what, you know, Rockstar North does in this post-Zelda world. I mean, there are games like this, right? They, uh, Scott used to call these things needle movers, where they, they come out and they just change everything. They change the discussion. I think Uncharted 2 kind of did. I think uh, Grand Theft Auto 3 did. I think Grand Theft Auto 5 did. Uh, Last of Us, you know, there are Mass Effect. There are games that come out and you're just like, oh my God, this is the medium, man. This is where we can get to, you know? And honestly, that's what happens when you go from that to Mass Effect Andromeda in that same sort of time period. You're kind of just shocked that it's not as good, you know? Um, Okay, Uh, I'm going to answer some more questions in a second here, but uh, I've been running this B-roll like crazy. So let me, uh, let me, uh, just rewind it a bit, and I'll talk to you guys about something cool that happened in Vancouver this week. Now, Vancouver is an incredible town um, for many, many reasons. It's been an amazing city to uh, to grow Electric Playground out of um, because there are a ton of game makers here, and uh, you know, very early on in, in, in my day as a you know a guy that covered this stuff, I would be able to go to Radical and Electronic Arts and and a few other studios, Relic. Um, and interview game makers and stuff. And uh, I kind of sort of bounced the idea of this show. I mean, one of my early meetings was at EA Canada to talk about my pitch, my dream for Electric Playground, a weekly show that would uh, go behind the scenes and talk to game makers. 
Um, incidentally, the person that I met with there was was uh, second in command, I think, at the time, and said, we wouldn't really let you interview any of our game developers because we wouldn't want our competition to steal them away. And I said, well, that's the whole show, man. That's what we are going to do is we want to, you know, unveil a little bit of the, uh, the behind the scenes uh, for people to help sort of define this as an artistic medium. And, and uh, it's important that we have not only the, the, the access to these game companies and the people that are in them, uh, but the support that they're actually watching and enjoying this content. And uh, I think he responded quite well to that. And uh, obviously they did get involved. Um, and actually Don Matrick, who was the, the top dog at Electronic Arts Canada was in our pilot, was in our pre-screened, I think it was like a seven or 10 minute um, video kind of concept video of what Electric Playground would be uh, back in 95. And he actually played uh, basketball with um, NBA Live 95 with the uh, general manager of the NBA Grizzlies. I'm totally having a, 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 like a, a history moment here right now. Um, so it was cool to see that, that transition, that sort of that, like, wait a minute, this is different. You want to actually talk to some of our game people, the people that make video games, to a, an embracing of what this concept could be. And then obviously we had lots of access with, uh, with developers locally after that. Uh, but Vancouver has never really been a town where um, a lot of publishers and a lot of people that work on these games have traveled to to kind of show them off. And that changed last week. And I was really happy to see this. Now, there, I, there have been, you know, the occasional events. Uh, Ubisoft asked me to host a, um, an Assassin's Creed Revelations launch, I think, here. There was a party that went down here. Uh, there have been, you know, gaming events uh, at various uh, places and stuff. But Square Enix actually came to town this week and showed off some of the stuff that's coming out this spring. Um, and I, I, it wasn't a, you know, come here, shoot our developers type of event. It was, we want to invite the local media, and that, that includes YouTubers and, and uh, I guess, some news media, some people that were completely not in the game space but were interested in this stuff. They also showed up. But really it was to come in and play test and ask questions of the um uh, of the uh, the PR team and, and uh, I think there was a developer there that sort of handles localization, um, sort of like a pr supervising producer type person um, to answer some of the questions about these titles. But really, it was just hands on, and I so I, I played a bunch of titles, and it was cool because it was like a good couple of hours to just sort of soak up some games. And you know, Square Enix games they ain't short, so I didn't really get far in any of these things. Um, but I had fun. This is Final Fantasy XII. Uh, I think it's called the Zodiac Age. I don't have my notes in front of me. Uh, but it's a remake, an HD remake of uh, Final Fantasy XII, which was a phenomenal PlayStation 2 game. And uh, obviously everything has been updated to new graphics. You can, uh, you know, think you couldn't invert the camera. I'm an invert guy, so I could invert the camera and run around and get into cool battles. Very different from Final Fantasy XV. You uh, have these... Um, real-time sequences where you're running into a, uh, an enemy, but then it switches to the, uh, the more traditional turn-based kind of combat with flashy effects and stuff. Uh, but they've redone some of the music in this thing. You can also play it uh, with the, the old classic music if you want. Um, they've obviously increased the loading times and the visual fidelity, and it's a 7.1 mix. And um, I, I loved 
that game when it came out, and I've been a huge fan of Final Fantasy XV. Uh, I played some of the DLC for that too, which is coming up in a second. Um, so I enjoyed uh, the little teaser that they gave us for Final Fantasy XII. It was only a teaser because I couldn't get anywhere in my, my short amount of time with the game. This was the other uh, nice surprise, uh, Dragon Quest Heroes 2. I remember liking the first game, and we looked at it, I think, on the PlayStation 4. And, uh, you know, obviously this is in the, um, uh, the mold of the... Uh, uh, what are those games called? The uh, like the Dragon Warriors and Samurai Warrior type games, where uh, they have you know thousands of different enemy types on the on the on the battlefield. But it uses the Dragon Quest characters and the Dragon Quest art. And I love the look of this thing. This is pre-rendered, but the gameplay honestly doesn't look that far from this. And it's cutesy, it's super colorful, it's obviously loaded with cool-looking bad guys of every size and scale. And uh, it's, it, you know, it's kind of niche. You know, the Dragon Quest games aren't always massive here in North America, but I had fun, you know. And there's something about the, the sort of transposing of the idea of the Dragon Warrior thing. I forget, a Samurai Warrior, I forget which word. There's so many of them, I should know all of these things, but uh, I sort of tune out. But there's something nice about taking that model and putting it onto franchises that, uh, uh, you know, freshen it up a little bit, freshen up the sort of game style, especially when you have art and, and design that looks like this. The other one, obviously, was the Zelda. Uh, I think it was a Zelda, uh, Hyrule Heroes or Hyrule Warrior, Hyrule Warriors, I think it was called. That was pretty cool, too. Same kind of concept. You know, obviously overdone. I think we used to joke about these games coming out in the uh, the old formats, the Samurai Warriors format, like every week. It felt like we were reviewing them literally, uh, quarterly at least. But somehow it feels fresh when you uh, you apply it to another beloved franchise like this. So I had fun. It looked good. Frame rate was solid. I've heard that there are some, some frame rate issues with... Uh, uh, the Switch version, but that would be a kind of fun game to play. Now, this is the uh, the Gladiolus um, DLC. I think it's called the Gladiolus DLC, where you play as, uh, yes, episode Gladiolus. You play as uh, the big beefy dude, kind of the, I always thought of him as uh, the Matt Dillon, my bodyguard character from the Final Fantasy 15 main game. Uh, here are all the bros. They're all hanging out camping. And then he explains, he's got this story of how he got the big scar on his face and then you proceed to play through his memory, and it's basically uh, he's going up against the Blade Master, and it's almost like Dark Souls light in a way. Um, you know, you can certainly get the the sense that they wanted it to be a dark and creepy dungeon type of experience. It's it's definitely not as robust that way. Um, the gameplay is pretty accessible, pretty solid, flashy as hell. And what was interesting about this event is I, I went through stages and eras of Square Enix, um, you know, playing classic PlayStation 2 games that have been revamped for the modern consoles. But it, it's amazing to see the progression of controls and the progression of, uh, the, you know, visual fidelity and special effects. Um, you know, this is obviously, I, I think it's a pretty damn beautiful game. I know there are a lot of detractors out there, but I was really impressed with Final Fantasy XV. It feels like, you know, like everything is in that damn game, every kind of genre and concept that you could want. And in this one, it's, it's even more sort of combat-focused and, and sort of progression-focused. I had fun. I, I played it for a solid half an hour. It was very easy to play. It's only two or three hours long, so I probably got a quarter of the way through. 
And I had a big smile on my face. They actually had to stop me. I wasn't allowed to see past the half hour point. Uh, but I was facing off little guys and bosses and stuff. Now, uh, the other big game, uh, this was near Automata. This, I've, I've just started to play this a little bit, so I, I don't really have much to say about this other than you can hack and slash your way through uh, characters. You've got these little floating robots which act as uh, uh, your weaponry. It's, it certainly has a little bit of a Bayonetta kind of vibe. Uh, hey, Andrea Ward, how you doing? I'll get back to the chat in a second, but I appreciate everybody being here. Thank you. I, I, I thanked you guys for joining me. I appreciate that. And I hope you guys are all going to have an incredible weekend. Uh, but Near Automata is already out. And I think, you know, um, this is uh, a game that I think got lost in the noise of, of Horizon and Zelda, I think, to a degree, you know. And I, um, I feel like it, it's such a cool concept. You start off and you're, you're kind of in a, uh, you know, a space shooter and you're just flying above an ocean and you're blasting at things. And then it transforms into, uh, you, you know, a kind of a, a, a kick-ass Devil May Cry kind of vibe or a Bayonetta kind of vibe where you're jumping around and slicing up robots and shooting at them. The exploration definitely isn't you know, up to the caliber of Zelda or of uh, Horizon, but the environments are still cool. The enemy types are pretty rad as well. You're fighting and, and destroying a lot of these cool kind of, uh, uh, you know, oversized robots um, that that look, I mean, it's very anime-infused, you know, and it's also very weird and esoteric and strange, and uh, I couldn't, I couldn't get my hands off the damn controller. I was falling asleep because it was late, but I didn't want to stop playing it. Super cool, and I can't wait to play that. I'll try, I'm going to try to have a review of Nier Automata next week, uh, but it put a big smile on my face. Uh, and then the other big game that we played was uh, uh, ridiculously huge. It was the, uh, as you can probably tell, the Kingdom Hearts collection, which is going to be out here pretty soon. Now, this is... Uh, and I can't keep all of these goddamn things straight. There's so many different Kingdom Hearts games in this disc, but you get uh, 1.5 and 2.5, which are the HD remasters of the, the uh, remastered versions of the classic PlayStation 2 games. And then you get uh, some, I think, DS and PSP games that have been retooled for PS4 you know, almost PS4 caliber um, sort of production values. And then you also get a bunch of cut sequences that tie the entire story of Kingdom Hearts together so that you can get ready for uh, the next big Kingdom Hearts game. And uh, it it's so confusing how they have shifted and named and, and uh, positioned the Kingdom Hearts brand. I can't keep it straight as all at all, but I was very, very impressed by the amount of content that you get on one disc. And I feel like, um, you know, obviously my daughter is just starting to get into video games a little bit. She saw me play a little Final Fantasy 15. She finished Zelda with me. She didn't, she didn't play every minute of it with me, but she saw big chunks of that game and was with me when it ended. So I think the next thing, because she's, you know, starting to become a little bit more familiar with the Disney characters, uh, this might be one that I, uh, I I play through with her, and we can start right at the beginning, which I think is pretty darn cool. Um, so, yeah, we're going to be traveling through all kinds of Disneylands. It goes on forever, and we were joking at the event that this is like a, uh, 
a 400 hour disc. Like it just goes on and on and on. Hey, there's an apropos thing with Beauty and the Beast right there. So that was, uh, that was the event. Let's see if I can find a good place to pause it. Let's see. There we go. Oh, missed it. Uh, let's see. I'll try to find. Uh... Okay. Let's see if I can get Mickey Mouse back in. Bear with me. Oh, okay. There, I'll pause it. But the next time a character pops up. There, that's nice. Okay, Snow White right there. So that was the Square Enix event, and it was so darn cool that uh, they came to Vancouver. And if anybody is uh, watching this or uh, watching this later um, uh, from the, the publishing side or the PR side, please come to Vancouver. We will cover your stuff, and we will talk to you. Maybe you can sit here in the basement with me, and we can do some cool uh, live interviews and get people in, in, uh, involved in the chat, which would be rad. Okay. Uh, am I the Chris Burns asks question? Are you and it's yes, it's question time again. If you've got any questions for me uh, about anything, uh, please feel free to just write question in all caps, and I'll get to uh, I'll get to that. Uh, Chris Burns asks, uh, Are you? Oh, damn it! I missed it already. Are you, okay, are you hyped for Scorpio? I am absolutely hyped for Scorpio. I can't wait to see what Xbox does now, uh, kind of in response to PS4 Pro and to Switch. And also, I mean, I just reviewed the uh, Halo Wars 2 game. It's time for Xbox to kind of show us their exclusives, you know? Show us the reasons why we really want that platform, you know? Like, it's it, it's fairly easy for both Sony and Nintendo to kind of point at their their own exclusive titles and give you good reasons why you want that machine. But uh, I, I don't think Xbox is playing at that caliber right now. And hopefully along with the Scorpio, uh, they will also show us not only an exclusive title, but they'll give us an... Uh, Christian Basham, you're amazing. Thank you so much. Uh, they will uh, they will give us a, an, a, a reason to... Uh, want that Scorpio as well. So they've got a couple of jobs in front of them. A, they got to do that machine reveal and get us all excited about this next upgrade because at this point it will feel like a substantial one. They've got to show us exclusives to keep every Xbox One owner happy, but then they also have to show us an, you know, what an exclusive means on Scorpio and what that will mean to uh, you know, get other developers uh, psyched and on board to develop for Scorpio as well. You know and keep that whole sort of developer base happy and that install base happy because you know, the last thing you wanna do is split your audience all over the place. Uh, Christian Basham uh, says, I started watching EPM when it was on American broadcast. I listened to uh, Vic's basement recordings every week, but last year I stopped keep keeping up. Could you explain the past year and next year? Uh, huge, okay. Uh, Christian, and for everybody that's listening that, uh, you know, and I apologize if I'm repeating myself to anybody that has been listening, but people are you know, constantly are kind of wondering what's been going on. Basically, last year, I um, invested in production with the idea that um, some of the people that I, I have been kind of connecting with would come forward and we would start to put another production deal together and EP would find a new partner or a new home. And I had some uh, some pretty good discussions with different groups that it kind of suggested that something was going to happen. And um, because of that, I felt like I couldn't really 100% commit to, uh, 
although we did, I mean, we ended up doing like, I don't know, 400 or 500 videos, maybe more um, in 2016 with our daily rundowns and tons of movie reviews and video game reviews and event coverage and, and interviews and live interviews. It was a blast. I had so much fun. Um, but I was still kind of waiting for uh, a, a, a sort of a, a license deal that I thought might come together, which would give us more of a budget and we could kind of grow again and start delivering our daily content or a weekly show or something like that. What's happened is I don't I, I think that there's an appetite for it, but I think budgets are really constrained. And I think that uh, there's a lot of outlets out there, a lot of broadcasters and companies that are very risk averse right now because it's a completely um, changing world. Um, and if you can see what's happening on television, when I, every time I turn on the TV, and this is, doesn't really hold true for um, uh, fictional content, scripted content. I think there's some great risk taking going on right now uh, you know, with superhero shows and stuff. Uh, that I love, um, lots of genre entertainment, all, you know, that kind of stuff has sort of f- moved right to the top of uh, popular culture, which is awesome for fans like me. Uh, but if you're talking about the nonfiction world, the uh, the unscripted kind of information-based television, there are a lot of copies of copies of formats. So people are coming up with like a uh, you know, home renovating show, and then there'll be six sort of slight variations of that, or they'll come up with a singing contest type format, and then there'll be six variations of that. And the reason isn't just that it's good business. The reason is that people are afraid to to go out and, and uh, create different models right now. And uh, it's because advertising dollars are shifting to um, you know, YouTube and, and Twitch and, and uh, you know, marketers and, and agencies are just becoming a lot more uh, concentrated on individuals as brands. And uh, I understand that. And I understand the threat that, um, you know, an always-on digital network like YouTube kind of poses to traditional broadcasters that have to deal with time slots and all that stuff. Um, and I get it. I find it shocking, however, and I, I will forever, uh, that there is nothing like EP in North America right now. I find it absolutely shocking. We proved out a model that people want this content for 20 years. You know, we proved it. It's not easy to do what we have done for television. I think you have to come at it not from a way of like, okay, how do we generate lots and lots of cash and how do we make this a huge thing and let's talk to the gamers. You have to come at it with with honesty and you have to you know hire people that know what they're talking about and there needs to be pure love all the way through otherwise the viewership and that's the most important ingredient in there not not just the advertisers the viewership will see right through that and and uh, call that show junk and garbage and it will last one or two seasons and that happened a lot in my career I saw a lot of copycat shows for my format uh, come and go and it was because the producers and the people involved We're just treating it as a gig. I thought that I would be able to put something together with a broadcaster that, you know, could see the value and the way that we have done it and, uh, you know, proving out the model that there's an appetite for it. And I really feel like we we cracked into uh, the mainstream world, you know, with being on broadcast television every day with Electric Playground and Reviews in a way that a lot of other media outlets have not been able to do. We made it very accessible. We made it very palatable. And we stretched out into movies and TV shows and technology and all kinds of other things. It made it a very fun show, uh, shows to work on, but it also 
was constantly um, engaging for viewers as well. So I thought, okay, well, you know, let's give this a year. Let's see how this goes. I think that we'll probably find some people that want to do something with us. And, and I have faith that we will, but I can't just wait. So let's go into production. Let's start producing stuff. Uh, and that's what we did last year. We made tons of videos and we tried a whole bunch of different things and, and um, had a blast. And it was really fulfilling to instantly get feedback on the content that we were putting up every day. Um, and I, I loved it, but I also kind of felt like I was in a bit of a limbo position because I thought something might happen. Now, I, I'm, I don't know if something will not happen, but I'm not going to wait anymore. And so, and this brings me to what I was going to announce today anyways. Um, I feel like it's time for us to just take this as seriously as we can with uh, the formats that we have. I mean, we live in a, an amazing age where uh, all the technology involved in getting you guys some solid content is very accessible. Uh, there are many platforms for us to be able to utilize, to be able to build things that I think people will find interesting and entertaining and engaging. I love this. I love being able to chat with you guys and get your instant feedback and, and uh, um, you know, things like the, uh, the early review or the, you know, the, the sort of in-progress review that I did with Mass Effect Andromeda is just unbelievably gratifying, you know, not just because we had quite a few people watch it, but also because I was doing it with you guys, you know, it's almost like we're creating a new format, like we're building a let's review platform, you know, like we're building it together. You guys are all playing these things too. You all have great things to say and you contribute to this like you always have contributed to this so much because we've never had marketing dollars against our show. We've never had some partner that we've worked with say, okay, well, this is important material or this is fun material. Let's blast this. Let's put this on bus stops. Let's put this on, uh, you know, let's make 30 second commercials to tell people. Um, but we found an audience and, and that was, uh, you know, a lot of you folks that had just found us and, and you told people about it. And, you know, in our peak, we were getting to about a million and a half viewers a week in North America. And those are substantial numbers. Those are numbers that were right up there with Entertainment Tonight and Access Hollywood and, uh, you know, TMZ and stuff like that. And we were on a lot of those same stations. And it was amazing to me. And I know that that's really hard to do. Um, I know that's really hard to do. And I know that our people worked really, really hard to do it. And uh, I think everybody that's been involved with EP or Reviews on the Run or any of our properties along the way, the documentaries and all that stuff, is incredibly proud of what they contributed, as they should be. Um, but uh, we have always been independent, and we've always been not owned by uh, a broadcaster or any of our partners, any of our sponsor partners or whatever. We just work in collaboration with people. And uh, so consequently, we haven't had that sort of cross-marketing push and and, uh, you know, tons of, you know, like watch Electric Playground tonight. There's going to be this and this and that, which I always wanted and, and shot for. But, you know, frankly, a lot of these networks that we had partnered with had their own internal programming or they had spent more on other programming and they kind of focused that way. All of that, long story short, um, I don't want to wait anymore. I want to build as much material as we possibly can. And uh, starting Monday, the rundown is back and we are going to be on every single day with brand new content. Uh, I look at last year as season 26 of Electric Playground. So uh, starting to, uh, on Monday, uh, we, let's all consider this as uh, season 27 of our daily content 
kicking off uh, Monday. We'll catch up with, uh, you know, all of the latest goings on in video games, entertainment and technology. Um, you know, we will scour and search and find new ways to kind of deliver this material. I'm kind of feeling like something cool that could be really fun is uh, kind of a weekly catch up about the, uh, the news and what's been going on. And we utilize the technology that's available to us to have some pretty cool discussions about that. Um, I also want to bring back the uh, uh, Twitter question of the day. So you can start hitting me with tweets. Uh, tweet me at Victor underscore Lucas. Uh, you can also tweet me at, uh, at EP Daily TV. Uh, definitely comment like crazy under our YouTube videos and all that stuff. We're reading all of that stuff. Um, and I really want to bring back Buried Treasure in some format. Um, I, th I feel like we are, um, uh, you know, a vociferous, uh, hungry crowd of consumers out there that is always looking for the next fix. But it's important to remember the roots and it's important to kind of look back at some awesome titles that we may have uh, missed or forgotten about. And, and uh, I think that that discussion and, and uh, checking out some of those games is incredibly important. So those are, those are kind of the first things on the pecking order. Uh, we are still going to have tons of game reviews. We are going to have uh, some new technology content reviews. We're going to be uh, doing a lot of interviews. Uh, we will be at E3. This will be my 24th E3 that I'm going down for. Um, probably going to Comic-Con. I'm still kind of figuring out budget-wise if that makes sense for us. Um, but what you can do is... Subscribe if you dig this stuff. Subscribe. Watch more of our videos. Give them thumbs up. Share our stuff like crazy. Post them on your own websites. Uh, tweet them. You know, get people kind of recognizing that it's not just, and this is not an offense to every vlogger out there or any person that's just got a camera set up and, and uh, has got this kind of basement type thing. I love all that content. There's incredible work going on out there. There are incredible creators, but I. I don't want to just be that. I want to be um, engaged in some pretty cool conversations and have some pretty cool access and get as much of uh, our TV-style production back as we can that makes sense for us in, uh, you know, cost-wise, um, you know, and resource expenditure-wise as we possibly can. So uh, somebody's asking... Uh, thank you, Sammy. Sammy Doyle, love you too. Uh, the Riddler trophy is awesome. Thank you. Uh, Greg Miller gave me the, the giant skull, by the way. I'd visited the, the kind of funny uh, set, and they were, uh, this was the, when they were in the, um, uh, their apartment, and they just didn't have room for it. They know what a psycho Batman fan I am, so they sent that. Uh, the Riddler and the, and the skull are, uh, I think it's Triforce. I think that's the name of the studio. They're out of New York, incredible people. They make awesome um, souvenirs and, and, and uh, sculptures and things from the video game space. Um, uh, somebody asked about co-hosts. I missed that right there. Um, feeling old, Vic. <laughs> J, uh, JBJ Blaze and TFA. I, I, you know what? I feel great. I feel great. I, you know what I've realized? Because obviously, you know, when we left the air and I, I couldn't keep employing people, um, somebody said about co-hosts. Let me answer this. The Wren, holy crap, thank you so much. Wow. Uh, somebody said, um, uh, co-hosts, 
I want to hire co-hosts. I've been working with John, uh, Johnny Millennium uh, from the Happy Console Gamer Show, and we are talking about doing a lot more together. We are working stuff out, but we're having a blast. I love working with him. Uh, I'm so grateful to Baruti Bear uh, for introducing me to him. He's a local uh, content creator. I love that he's uh, he's got some history in front of the camera. He's got... Uh, um, just the right attitude and a great kind of experience level and a passion for it. He's, you know, similarly as enthused and energized by his ability to be in this space and, and earn a living at it and, 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 and uh, you know, talk about this material and have people watch, you know. It's incredibly rewarding and gratifying just to have you amazing people watch any of this stuff. Uh, but I've loved working with him. But I also feel like there's probably a few other people that I would like to to meet and and possibly in, in, grow into our material. But it's it's kind of up to you guys. We have to grow this together. You know, I can't just I can't just spend money yet that we're not earning. So we have to earn it through advertising. We have to earn it through partnerships. We have to earn it through uh, uh, potentially a Patreon. But I, you know, if we go that route, it has to be. I have to put it all together in the right way, you know. Um, but, you know, the, the biggest way that you're contributing and you're helping to help us, uh, uh, you know, build content that I, I think will get us as close to what we were doing every day with television is watch, you know. Watch, like, share, kind of, that kind of stuff. Uh, and comment and, and, you know, be involved in, in chats like this. Definitely going to be doing a lot more live uh, conversations. It's just, it's become easier and it's so, it's always been fun, but I feel like the big thing that I have to do uh, as we sort of move away from that reliance on that, you know, because let's be honest, I had 20 years of of, uh, of a format, of a, a kind of a, a, you know, history of, a, of something I could kind of rely on, this sort of Okay, we make a show, we ship a show, we we get a budget, we build more shows, we ship a show. That's not the case right now. So the way that we're going to have to build is with the, the audience, with you guys. And amazingly, this technology allows exactly for that. We can have these conversations, you know. And I mean, this this whole idea of reviewing a game in real time and talking about it and having you guys a part of that conversation and bringing up points that I can't remember because I'm, I'm uh, as I always have been, just, you know, off book and, and uh, um, relaying information that I've picked up is incredible. It's like I have, you know, dozens of co-hosts with me, you know, it's really cool. The Wren, thank you. That's incredible. Thank you for that donation. Uh, best show on the net, and we're watching the stream and seeing the community come forward with great ideas and suggestions for EPN. The future looks bright. The rundown is back. Oh, thank you, man. Thank you so much. Yeah, I uh, I missed the rundown like crazy. Blake missed the rundown like crazy. I've obviously used these last few months to kind of uh, uh, keep busy. I've been delivering a lot of content, but I've also been kind of just trying to figure out what's, what's next. What do we do here? Um, and I don't want to stop. You know, I like this. I don't want to retire. I'm too young to retire. Um, I'm proud of the content that we're making. I think there's a lot more to be made. And the biggest, the biggest, you know, impulse that I have is nobody's really doing this right now, like we're, the way that we're doing. There's shades of that stuff, but I, you know, we have this totally unique position of having 20 years of history that we can rely on and call back on. 
and build new content based on that, you know? I mean, these relationships that I had, I mean, if you watch the Harvey Smith interview that I did, we're two veterans, you know? There's no, like we've been at it and in this game for a long ass time. And I've known him for almost 20 years and there's lots of people like that. Like I, I, we just put up the uh, uh, Injustice 2 interview that I did. It wasn't with Ed Boone, but I talked about Ed and, and uh, working with him, uh, Thank you, Darkfire64. That's incredible. Uh, but I, I worked with him at Comic-Con last year, and that was an amazing, cool honor. And, uh, you know, he retweeted my tweet last night of, of the Injustice 2 segment that we did. And, and like, he's a, he's a friend, you know. And uh, I, they're, they're not my peers because I don't make video games, but they have respect for the way that we have always created this stuff, you know. I'm not an angry video gamer, and I don't want to put anybody under an inquisition. I just, I want to make content that uh, is entertaining and fun and, uh, you know, enthusiastic um, and honest. And from a place of, you know, authenticity and love. I mean, that's, that's what EP started. It wasn't like, let's, let's be honest here. If I, I, I've got a lot of experience as a TV producer. If I wanted to find a job as a TV producer, I could probably go and talk to some networks and some TV stations and some, um, you know, some other production companies and, and work on something that I, I honestly don't want to do. I want to do this. I want to do this. I want to talk about, uh, you know, games that I love and talk about creators that I, I feel need more attention and, I respect and admire. I want to know who the new ones are. I mean, that's one of the that's one of the major things that I think is is kind of missing from from games coverage right now. I think there's so much focus on uh, on features and and on on sort of holding developers to task on what they have to deliver and and uh, you know p putting people under the microscope for the amount of DLC content and all of that stuff that is is a worthy conversation for sure. I mean, this for honor thing of of uh, it costing thousands of dollars or spending, you know, two years to get everything uh, is kind of crazy. But on the other side of it are these passionate game designers and, and game makers that have worked their butts off, uh, you know, to try to build something. And that's a more interesting subject. That's a more interesting development, you know, the idea of this crazy collection of individuals collaborating to try to build something that the world will love, that is a very intriguing prospect. And it's being ignored in so many different ways, you know? Like, what Mass Effect's team built is a more powerful thing in this world than the failings of that game. That, you know, the failings of that game and the, the costs of things and all of that stuff is great to rally around and, and uh, you know, discuss and be angry about and be passionate about. But I think we can, we have that ability to lose the plot a little bit and we're not sort of, you know, meeting the developers and hearing from them in, in, uh, some, in some other kinds of ways, you know? Like when we had uh, um, Nels from Campo Santo on uh, last year to talk about um, Firewatch. That was amazing for me. That was incredible. Here he was, you know, sitting beside the game that had made me cry the night before, and he was sitting beside me and we were playing it together and streaming, and we had people asking questions. Uh, 
you know, it was really, really invigorating and really cool. And I have so much respect for creators, for people that risk it, you know, that go out there. And obviously it gets a little uh, sometimes compromised and, and uh, uh, sometimes, you know, things go off in the wrong way and uh, it uh, can piss you off. But I feel like it's important to not just review the stuff, not just talk about the features, not just say this product is this product. is. This. I always have said this right from the beginning. Uh, right from the beginning, people are more interesting than products, and that includes the hosts and the and the contributors that we've had to build all of this material as well. They're more interesting, and, and they, the, you know, it's more interesting to see them and hear from them than it is to just focus on the details. Look at our old reviews. You can watch season one and two, and season three is coming very soon uh, on our channel. And you know, trust me, I want to get every single thing up there. But look at our old content. And you can see that those games are funny to laugh at, but the passion to build those games is incredible. And the constraints that those developers had and those creators had in those times and the passion and the optimism that they had in those times was infectious and amazing. And I think we blew people away when it hit television. They had never seen anything like that before. And I think it's incredibly important to keep that up. This industry is not just about esports athletes. It's not just about uh, announcers that know how to call esports. It's not just about you know um, CEOs that know how to sell a product. It's you know it's it's not about screens that scratch. It's not about any of that shit really. It's about dreaming big and talking to people that that uh, share that passion for that, and also the people that endeavor to try to entertain us like like that. You know. And I don't want to lose that, you know. And that's what this platform, more than anything, allows us to do is to, is to chat with these folks and get them in front of the camera. And, and uh, I want to keep doing that. I want to keep doing that. Way more than I'd want to go off and, and shoot some reality show about some loggers somewhere or people that make cakes or, you know, no offense to that kind of programming or, you know, the programming that wants to follow celebrities out of bars and shit like that. Like, no thank you. I want to talk to people that have dreams of entertaining the world with their crazy ideas. And uh, some of them are amazing and some of them don't work. But uh, those people are incredible. And I have mad respect for them. And uh, all of what I just said, Bioware people that may see this and may hate me right now because of my, my uh, in-progress review, please hear that. I love Bioware, whether they're in Montreal or Edmonton. Uh, I love that 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 reach is so much a vital part of that company and I hope it never ends. And uh, God, does Zelda, does Zelda inspire a person, you know? Somebody that's been covering this business for so long and I've always had enthusiasm. Wake, I wake up every day and, you know, excited about what I'm going to work on and what I'm going to play or what I'm going to contribute or, you know, what I'm going to see. I, 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 I'm so in love with what I get to do for a living. I think you guys know that. But when you play a game like Zelda, it's like it's like starting over, you know. It's like it's like day one. I mean, that's that's a that's a game, and I think this this is even more so than Horizon. Horizon, you look at and you go, "Holy shit!" Video games look incredible. They look better than movies. You can play that. You play Zelda. It's not about the the visual pop and the fidelity. It's about like I, I don't know what I'm supposed to do, but. I love this. I don't want it to end. I just want to be in this world forever. And that's so powerful, you know? Um, and it's incredibly 
inspiring. It's like, oh my God, I, I, I don't want to leave this. I want to keep doing this. I want to figure out how we can keep doing this. And you guys are allowing us to keep doing this. Uh, when I was growing up, this is from Darkfire64. Thank you so much. Uh, EP was on right after the evening news. It felt like my own news show and made me feel so grown up. We'll tell you what, Darkfire, starting uh, Monday at 3 o'clock, and we're going to try to keep to our 3 o'clock schedule every day. Uh, the rundown will hit, and what we're thinking is uh, evolving into, um, you know, at least a weekly live kind of uh, rundown wrap-up where we include all of you guys on the big stories uh, and maybe some of the other people that are out, the, you know, in, in the EP kind of community, uh, the Ben Silvermans, the Johnny Millenniums, the Jose Sanchez, Steve Tilly, Raju, Marissa, Scott, um, Tommy, include some of the friends that we have in, in, in uh, the EP world and the EP family, um, but also developers. And, you know, I, I, I have new dreams about what I want to do with this stuff. And uh, it's exciting, you know? It's cool. It's I felt kind of hemmed in last year. I was like, well, at any, at any moment, some kind of deal might happen and I would have to spin up a, a team and we'd start delivering, which was exciting. But now it's like, we can't wait for that. Let's just go. Let's make some cool stuff. You know, let's try to uh, keep people informed and entertained every day. And, you know, I was talking earlier about television and how uh, uh, there's a lot of, you know, people being very scared about taking risks around this type of content. And it's absolutely true. All the money is being made right now on bad news. You know, all of the stuff that's happened uh, uh, through the election and, and the Russian hacking and all of this stuff that's happening. There's so much money being generated by the news. There's so much addiction that's happening right now. And it's there's so much awful stuff. And it's happening. You know, there's some legitimate stuff that's happening. But there's this addiction to these terrible bites of information out there. And I definitely want EP and, and the rundown to kind of be the antidote to that. So we are going to find cool things, pleasant things, inspiring things to talk about in, in the worlds of video games and technology. And, you know, we love science, like science, and we love science fiction. Uh, we'll be talking about movies and TV shows. And, uh, and then we will slowly, you know, build up our archive of uh, new interviews with with creators in those worlds as well and then we'll continue reviewing and growing right alongside with you guys all right uh but thank you dark fire uh and and thank you everybody that's that's contributing man that's amazing i'm, I'm really humbled it's this is really cool uh i've got super chat on the uh on the chat stuff here and people are 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 throwing some bucks in, and it's incredible. Thank you. Thanks for the years of great content with EPN and Reviews in the Run, Vic. Think about Patreon I would support. That's NTSC. Uh, I certainly am thinking about Patreon. I just don't know. I don't, I, I don't know how we would format it, you know? Open to suggestions if you guys have ideas for the best way to approach a, uh, you know, a Patreon sort of page um, from your vantage point. Uh, i totally open to that. Um, you know, I, I feel like, and and this is being totally truthful, I've, I've had so much good fortune in this space. You know, I've been able to work with so many incredible people and do so many amazing things that there's a part of me that feels, you know, a little, a little weird about asking for more of it, you know. But I, I don't know. I'm proud of the work that we've been doing, even with way less stuff to be able to do it with. And I feel like we can contribute some good stuff, you know? And I, I look, especially at the interviews that 
I have done and I've been working with Jose and, and stuff on and like nobody's really doing that. And I, I want to really be able to do that. You know, there's some good podcasts and things like that, but I, I love that we get out there and we, uh, we, you know, we get on planes in Vancouver and we end up on the other side of the world and, and we get some, some cool ass interviews with, uh, some crazy dreamers, you know, and, and, uh, we cut it together and we put it out there for you guys. And the one thing that I, you know, I, I have and Jose has because he's been with us forever and, and a lot of our team members have that uh, hopefully we can bring some of that, that talent back in. Uh, it's just years and years of, of, uh, of experience and connection in this world, you know, and, and uh, a really interesting eye, you know, and I feel like a lot of the other outlets that are in this space right now, um, you know, you guys have all seen it happen. There's been a lot of constriction and a lot of changes and a lot of people leaving and they're you know, some journalists that you've known for maybe a few years don't do that anymore. Um, and so there's a lot of young, you know, new talent that's out there. And there's great work being done, no question about it. But they just don't have, uh, you know, a breadth of time with the people that they'd be talking to, you know. And so their interviews are different. It's from a different vantage point. And quite frankly, I think that, uh, you know, one of the other things that I bring to the table is like, I have been doing this for a while and I don't want to stop doing it. And I know that a lot of you have been playing for a while and you don't want to stop doing it. And I think it's important that we have this discussion of, uh, you know, parents and fathers and mothers and, and families uh, that kind of go through generations and continue being engaged by all this stuff. I, th I feel like, you know, generations past there was kind of this move away like you would outgrow video games or you would outgrow you know star wars or something like that and i think that's bullshit you never will i never will and you know i think it's uh it's important to have some sort of you know sustained kind of discussion with people out there you know if i end up becoming when i started this i was kind of uh i don't know who who was who Carson like the Carson Daly of video games people would call me and now I think people are starting to call me the Charlie Rose of video games so I don't know what the hell's going on uh but uh I, you know I, I don't mind growing old doing this stuff I uh I love that I'm I as passionate for this and as excited to open a new game and get into it today as I ever have been you know it's very very fun getting to do what I do EP actually has been my antidote. Thank you, Preston. Thank you so much. That's amazing. Uh, nobody else can afford to get out there because they're in their mom's basement. <laughs> yeah, I mean, there's there's a lot of that. I mean, that's that's the uh, yeah. listen. It's it's a it, it's tricky business wise in every capacity. Every multi-channel network. Everybody's trying to figure out how to do the least amount and get the most amount. And every nickel and dime is is being trying to, people are trying to figure out how to maximize their return on every single minute of video that they're putting out there. And I, I, I don't think that's the right approach, you know? And I don't really want to be in a position where I'm just looking at the view count and the advertising revenue off of the videos that we're putting out there. I think indie games are worth talking about. I think massive movies from a different perspective than the stars are worth talking about, you know? And uh, it's, um, I, you know, we're still figuring it out too, guys. Like, honestly, we will continue to have this discussion. We will continue to keep 
uh, evolving and growing. And, uh, you know, we're going to keep making new EP content for you for as long as you will keep watching. Uh, but I'm just letting you know that season 27 for realsies starts on Monday with a brand new rundown at three o'clock. And I hope that you will all be there. Um, let us know what you like and don't like. Um, and uh, if you do like it, please share. Okay. And uh, we'll be back with more live stuff. The following week, Blake and I, I don't know if you are just tuning in now, but the following week, after next week, after we kind of start to get our wheels turning on getting back up to speed on uh, making the rundown every day, uh, we are headed to France to uh, Cannes, um, to the MIP TV conference, um, where we're going to get some new content and some, uh, some stuff. And we are in going to endeavor to deliver the rundown again every day at 3 o'clock. Obviously, we'll be hours ahead out there, so that might make it easier. But we are going to be in a different country, and uh, you know the internet might play wreak havoc with us, but we will do what we can to get you guys the rundown every day while we're out there, and then when we're back, and we are going to try to get more. Uh, you need mods, yeah, that's that's good advice, Oasis. Uh, we are going to endeavor to uh, to build you a lot more content um, through the week, and uh, a lot more live stuff, and we're going to figure out some uh, some fun ways to stream and. Um, and the other the other things that I've I've just I announced that people are just tuning in is uh, uh, the Twitter question of the day is coming back. We can start that as early as next week, and uh, definitely some buried treasure type content is coming. It will likely be uh, me actually going to our uh, our game library, picking up some classic game that brings back some memories, and I will stream it and chat with you guys about it, and we'll talk about it. So I'm really looking forward to that, and maybe you know. We have such an amazing archive, and I really want to dig into that. But, uh, yeah, I don't want to get too ahead of myself. I don't want to have the production meeting right now. But uh, Season 27 starts on Monday. I love you guys. I am so grateful for your support and for watching and uh, for, for your patience. I know I've been getting a lot of where the hell is the rundown comments for a long time. Uh, thank you for waiting. You are Eric Strong. Thank you so much. Man, that's incredible. Thank you. Thanks for watching. Have an awesome weekend. Uh, I may stream a, a game over the weekend. You may see me online again here too. Uh, but I appreciate you watching today and, and have some fun this weekend. Go out and see something cool. If you haven't seen Logan yet, go out and see that. And uh, if, you, if you don't have a Switch or a Wii U and you can't play Zelda, find a friend that does <laughs> and play that game. Uh, and if you've got the PS4, you gotta, you got to get into some Horizon, man. All right? Take it easy. Thank you, everybody. Now i got to go behind the camera and turn it off. Thank you. Thank you, Christian. Uh, Christian Basham, thank you so much.